I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week we are finishing our Yunwoo Ping arc with Whoa. 1993's Iron Monkey, uh, of course directed by the man himself and starring some some old favorites. This is Donnie Yen once again in this um, and a few, uh, quite a few people we haven't seen on the podcast before, which is, yeah. is going to be fun to talk about. Um, and Yen Shinyi, he he kind of sneaks, he he snuck into <laughs> yeah. this arc quite a few times, which I'm mm. I'm glad to see. I'm I'm realizing as we're recording this right now that today is Yun Wu Ping's birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. This we're recording this on New Year's Day. So. Amazing! <laughs> wow. Um. So per- perfect timing. Have a birthday. Yeah, man. Wow. wow. But before we take a look at Iron Monkey, we're first we're gonna do a little 2023 year in review because of course, uh, we. Wanted to get this episode out before the new year, but whatever. Um, we're going to get this out in the beginning of January, and then we're going to take a couple of weeks off um, for hopping into some cool new stuff. But we want to take a look back at 2023 and the stuff that we did, because we did a lot of stuff in 2023 yeah, that was all a ton of fun. Um, so I, I love, still my favorite, and I, and I wanted to do a take two of it, um, was I love all the animation that we looked at this year. Man, oh, yeah. I loved I loved the animated shorts at the beginning of the year and Project Aiko is still one of my faves. Oh cool. That's um, awesome. And and Little Prince Nate Headed Dragon is like incredible and yeah. I can't believe I hadn't even heard of it before doing this. So Yeah, I think it was I mean it was a great idea for you to kind of kind of push us towards talking about animation more. Um, I, like I said, on all of these, I think I was like, I just scared. I don't want to be another anime podcast, <laughs> but, um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of, we could uh, be the first good anime podcast. Yeah. Yikes. Whoa. <laughs> that's, that's mean. I have not given any anime podcast an honest shot. So yeah. No, that's, it's, that's, it's, that's rude. But. It's fair. But, um, I, I just think there's like all the stuff that we talk about on the podcast. There's a lot of, um, undiscovered, uh, treasures out there and um yeah maybe this is stuff that people really might have heard about here or there but i think it's really fun for us to do it in our own style where we we really kind of dig into this and um share our appreciation for it or our our newfound appreciation for things too and um i mean i'm i'm huge fan of animation and uh, we get to showcase that. And I, I yeah, I, I agree. I would love to do more of that next year. I mean, I can I can call a shot right now. I, I really feel like we should do an episode on Matt Cross, Do You Remember Love? Because that's Ooh, one yeah. of my faves. And uh, really oh, still nothing nothing looks like that film. So um, it really doesn't. We'll, we'll talk and there's about a lot that of weird production stuff with all that, too. Yeah. So and how it came over to America and everything. So for sure. What were some of your favorites, Marty? Yeah, actually, just like looking back at kind of our episode list, like the year in review, I think one of the most like, I don't know, kind of magical streaks we've probably ever landed on was uh, the Project AI into Project A into Project Aco, um, like <laughs> three Pete or yeah, triple header or whatever. Um, mm. I don't know. It's like, I feel like it's a cool snapshot of like some of the different I don't know, terrain of, of uh, what, yeah. we, what we've done so far. So I think that's super, super exciting. Um, definitely the Godzilla arc uh, has left a huge 
yeah, huge impression um, on my year. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's one of, it's like one of these corners of uh, cinema that's been really kind of like daunting, like almost my whole life. And yeah, curated beautifully by our own Carlos. And it, yeah, it just wow. went down so smooth. And um, <laughs> yeah, really just exciting seeing these films. And it kind of put us all in the mood for, for Minus One, which was, yeah, ended up yeah being such an awesome movie at the theaters this year. So yeah, I don't know. Really, yeah. really like a lot of warm feelings about um heroes 3 2023 i gotta say yeah Mm. i feel the same way and and i think it was you know this thing where um i i had a feeling that we would be talking about godzilla this year but it's also another case of us and really not exactly planning things out but it kind of forming into this perfect like scenario where um i mean just like today it's yumo pink's birthday we didn't plan this and actually (laughs) like all of the different scheduling issues that we've had kind of helped kind yeah. of make this thing happen. And um, <laughs> I was going to say, we've tried to to line up stuff before and it usually doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yeah. But at the beginning of the year, you know, we, we talked about um, our favorite trio again, and um, that gave us some new appreciation for Project A, which is a film that I had, um, was very familiar with, um, you know, over the years. But um, getting to see it, now after we've done so much work talking about them and their films that followed project a uh, was yeah. was really special to me i think that, that that turned out perfect and yeah the the godzilla stuff i really can't say much more than all the stuff i've already said but um to be able to kind of dig up resources and um share my appreciation for godzilla and actually grow my appreciation in a way that i didn't expect and um I yeah, I, yeah, wow. I I thought it was super special, and the the other thing too that I really should say about um, these episodes and with Heroes Three in general is, is like I always feel like if we can change somebody's mind about something, even one film or anything, <laughs> I feel very uh, uh, full. My heart feels full, and with <laughs> with Godzilla though, I've I mean I have to say I've seen it like I don't know like a, almost a dozen different uh people have told me or told the podcast that hey you know i i checked out godzilla thanks to you guys or i'm curious about godzilla and i don't know where i should start and i uh, like all of that stuff is like super awesome to me <laughs> so yeah. um yeah it's it's been a very fulfilling year for the podcast and um i'm really excited to see where we go with it next year because i it's hard for me personally to get bigger than something like godzilla where i do feel like it's such a huge phenomenon, but at the same time, similar to Bruce Lee, um, when you really start I was, to... I was going to say, Godzilla yeah. is on par with Bruce Lee, I think, yeah. in terms of in, in, impact on cinema worldwide. Yeah, and in it's, terms of, it's like one of these... diaphragmatic breathing and... <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but what I'm getting at is like you know we never got Bruce Lee versus Godzilla. I think oh. we made that joke actually. In I, an I made the joke, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but um the uh the the idea where if you really peel these layers away, most people just kind of have a surface level understanding of what something is, or maybe they think it's something else and actually it isn't. And I was hell happy that we were able to kind of put a magnifying glass to that for. Our, not just ourselves, but for a lot of the people that were listening to. Yeah, totally. And honestly, uh, a fear that I usually have, like before crossing, like a big benchmark, is is like, oh, uh, will some of like the air like come out come out of your sails like once you've done it? But 
I actually feel so differently, like having gone through our Bruce and Godzilla arcs where, I don't know, I just feel like, and so like we're maybe less burdened or something. I don't know. I just mm. feel like a bit more freed. Yeah. Um, just kind of continue to to just experience the joy that we do, like watching these movies. Mm-hmm. I I think that going into these things, and also like have to state this isn't something we're getting paid to do. This is just something that we really enjoy, mm-hmm. and we're happy to kind of. Wouldn't that be amazing? Share if, this. Like, one of you like was getting paid and. <laughs> It yeah, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. <laughs> My guys come by. Oh, oh, Matthew. No. <laughs> but no. um it would be that'd be cool, but you know, that's that's a that's a whole other can of worms. Uh I I think like when it comes to next year, um I don't I don't know if we're going to really be able to tackle something as bi- as big as these things that we've been talking about, but I still do want to kind of really dig into maybe one subject or two subjects in a little deeper way than we would for just a normal arc of episodes. And um, yeah. I have some ideas in my head already, but I don't know uh, where we could go with it. And I, I, of course we're all going to talk about it and figure that out, but um, yeah, really excited next year. I think one of the other things that we do focus on, on the podcast, but I think we could focus on a bit more, or I guess maybe put more to the forefront or maybe dedicate an episode to is the music of all of these things that we talk about because yeah, I, love that I mean us three personally for sure music is such a huge part of our lives whether we're it's professional or personal and um i think that um we've had a folder in our drive for like years that it's like it's kind of the start of a music episode and i think <laughs> next year will be the year that we do that yeah i'd love that yeah that'd be amazing Oh, I'm 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 already forming ideas right now. I do, I do think cool. um it I also think it would be really cool if we find a way to kind of cross over with some of the podcasts that we've been involved with like Marcado. It would be cool if me you of us three if we had an episode that was Marcado Brothers ready, you know yeah. that it could live on our feed but it could also live on the Marcado Brothers feed that'd yeah. be awesome. Oh yeah, we could I was about to say we could easily do that. That sounds like I'm being dismissive, but we could definitely do that. Yeah, no, for no, sure. No, no. Um, yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah. And I'd love to get the the swim fans involved again too, because I always yeah, love having them on. Oh, that's uh, implied. Yeah, swim fans. Yeah. they are a part of our family as well. Yeah, our our children. Yeah. <laughs> it's an open open invitation anytime any y'all want to be on. Yep. Cool. Give some wild to bring. Well, yeah, this is this is cool. I think we're ready to move on to. This episode yeah. and the the year following it. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we are now in we're in twenty twenty four. I feel like this this episode kind of feels like the like a hangover from twenty twenty three. So <laughs> nice. yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, this is Iron Monkey nineteen ninety three. Uh, although it's a weird one because it is nineteen ninety three, but I have a feeling most of us were were nowhere near familiar with it until later. Maybe Carlos, but um, <laughs> but it, it had a, a much wider release through Miramax in what like two thousand two thousand one, yeah, two thousand one, yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's the Miramax version of it has a big old presented by Quentin Tarantino, yeah, on yeah. it. Um, yeah, I would actually I'd defer to Marty because um I, I definitely had seen this when it when it came out over here, but it wasn't really much um earlier than that. Um most of my experiences had been with that Miramax version. And um of course for the podcast we've been able to kind of dig that up. And there's been some releases of it that are more faithful um since then. So um Yeah, which is also also fun fun to talk about. You know, honestly, I think like a lot of uh 
like a I don't know a lot of other kind of highlights of film uh, in Hong Kong and even in Hollywood. Uh, Iron Monkey did not make all that big of a splash when it was released theatrically in Hong Kong. It was. Uh, I mean, 1993 was kind of a banner year. Um, the Kung Fu period renaissance was in full swing that had really been brought about by Choi Hark in his Once Upon a Time yeah. in China films. Um, oh, yeah. And, you can definitely feel Once Upon a Time in China in yeah, this movie. Yeah, totally. And so actually, yeah, it didn't... And I think it might have really had to do with like when its theatrical window was that you know, it didn't, wasn't really a huge runaway box office hit. Um, in Hong Kong at the time. And I don't know that it was, uh, you know, super vividly remembered by local audiences, but it be, it did begin to kind of grow this cult following from Kung Fu fans. And honestly, it's one of these kind of sweet stories where, you know, a really great piece of art does eventually kind of find its audience. And um, yeah, a little awkward seeing Tarantino's name up in the front, but uh, really <laughs> you do have to throw him credit for not only throwing his name, but really throwing a lot of weight and uh, financing behind this international release. And we've definitely crossed uh, paths with a lot of these, you know, U.S. releases of Hong Kong films. But I just want to take a couple minutes to kind of highlight a little bit of what's going on in this particular release, because it's actually, I think, fairly unique when contrasted with say like some of the Jackie Chan films from Dimension and some of the other kind of like Hong Kong uh, transfers, uh, if you will. Uh, for one, like the theatrical version um, was like a Cantonese only affair. So there was a dub that was uh, made that was like included on the DVD, but, but yeah, this was meant to be, you know, an original language uh, subtitle piece. And I would say that overall, um, really the approach of Tarantino and those kind of like working on this version of the edit, which did have authorial approval by Hyun Wu Ping is really trying to kind of present Iron Monkey, I would say in, in its kind of best, most artistic light. And there's a difference in running time between the original cut and this film, but it's really interesting when you try to go through and compare, uh, which I had never really <laughs> done uh, like in detail before, and it's kind of a laborious thing <laughs> to try to do. But uh, yeah, I I had them. I literally had them in two different windows. Nice, like, oh, amazing. Was kind, of, was kind of flopping between the two because yeah, the some of some of the things are like it's just straight up like you know, parts of scenes or whatever are cut yeah. out. But then some of it is like every, like every now and then there will be just like a couple of cuts that are like a little sooner than in the original cut. And you, cause you'll, you, you won't realize it until you look back over and you're like, Oh wait, they're like a couple seconds behind <laughs> when that happened. Yeah, um, definitely. So, I mean, this is something that I would say it's really been combed through and there are actual mm -hmm. cases where shots, um, appear in a different a slightly different sequence right. um yeah so there, yeah there's there are certain sequences where nothing has really been cut out but almost kind of from uh i'm guessing like more of a narrative motivation or something things yeah. are things are moving around and um i've got to say uh it it's it's definitely a gift that we have such a beautiful version of the original hong kong cut courtesy of eureka there was a really nice uh, DVD from Hong Kong Legends um, 
several years ago as well. That was also a really great grab. But I've got to say, the Miramax version's got my heart on on this one. Um, <laughs> and, oh snap! Hot take from Marty. Oh yeah, I like I, it. It's interesting because I'm I'm curious to hear from more folks like just how hot of a take it is because yeah. i mean we've <laughs> yeah. we've definitely talked about a lot of miramax dimension and some other studios where uh it mm-hmm. feels like it's kind of a hurried kind of cash yeah. in um mm. but yeah i just want to highlight like some of the folks kind of like working on this so uh for one actually when this dvd came out back in the day this was like a demo DVD for home sound systems for home theater. <laughs> and oh. uh, it's, I a, believe it. Yeah, it's a really like it was a spare no expense thing. So uh, all the sound design was done by Skywalker Sound and includes some like. Yeah, I saw that in the credits. Yeah, and I was like, some whoa. Huge, like Academy Award winning sound designers, um, supervising sound editor, uh, a man, Tim Holland, who worked on Jurassic Park and T2 and Toy Story. And you also have. Uh, uh, Randy Tom, who worked on Apocalypse Now, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Forrest Gump. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, another big difference, and we've seen this kind of thing before with some of like the Hollywood transfers, we do have a new score. And mileage mm. has definitely varied for us on how some of these scores <laughs> land. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I think back to the like the first strike score, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, some of these, it's... I think it's uh, arguable whether they they bring much to the film. But I've got to say, if uh, you were introduced to Iron Monkey, you know, in the 2000s, it likely was due to the Miramax Mm -hmm. version. And you're probably going to have a little bit of an adjustment period watching the original film and hearing the original score. Um, It is very different. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, props to that original um, composers, uh, Richard Yuan. uh, But... Like a lot of films of that period in Hong Kong, it's heavy on the kind of synthestration and some kind of lower grade samples. Uh, it's mm. also um, kind of takes uh, this sort of anachronistic approach. So there's like more, you know, drum beats and stuff that really don't have much to do with the period um, or what you're seeing. And uh, the score that we have in the Miramax version is composed by a guy named uh, James Venable. Not necessarily a household name, but he'd actually done a lot of work on that animation. I was about to say, the, the thing that I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that makes so much sense, is he did the music for the Powerpuff Girls. No, none of you can ever hold Kitty. Yeah, Powerpuff and Samurai, Girls and as well Samurai as Samurai Jack. Jack and Fosters from For Imaginary Friends. But as soon as I saw Powerpuff Girls and I was listening to it, I was like, oh, my God, oh, here it is. That, is, that is the guy that did Powerpuff Girls. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's awesome. It's not it's not as like wacky as, as some stuff in that gets. But yeah, but like it's it's a lot of the same like you know, virtual instruments and stuff. Um, and like this, his style is, is definitely there. And it's really neat. What I would, what I would say is that it's, it's more scoring to what's happening, but I think that it's actually, it it is really effective. I mean, um, we're not taking sides here. I think the original version kind of uses material from like on the general's orders, which is something obviously we love very much. Yeah. 
that's the that's the biggest thing I think that's different. Obviously, yeah. the score is completely different, but the biggest thing that's missing from it is that a lot of Yoon Woo Pi or not you know, a lot of Wong Fei Hung kind of mythos is is gone yeah. in the Miramax version, which For makes sure. sense because unless you're a guy that does a podcast about kung fu movies, <laughs> you're probably not going to be like intimately familiar with Quan Ta King and, you know, yeah. Wong Fei Hung in the years and stuff. Yeah, totally. But, I, I mean, l- luckily we don't have like a Freddie Wong situation. We've talked yeah. about like when Drunken Master <laughs> came out in the yeah, States, yeah. we pretty much just erased all connection to the folk hero Wong Fei Hung. Another thing mm. that the Miramax film does it adds this little front piece and this little end piece in the film that I actually think are are fairly tasteful as well so at the end we get a you know a couple of bits of text copy like where are they now kind of a thing yeah and yeah. uh <laughs> I think gives audiences maybe a little taste of shouts the, playing in the background whenever yeah, it's that, <laughs> the significance of uh of Wong Fei Hung and, and what they'll come to mean but uh, also some really great uh are who playing in the score and I found that uh mm-hmm. that was by Karen Han who she also does a lot lot of uh, are who playing in Hollywood scores like Memoirs of the Geisha and Kung Fu Panda and all kinds of stuff. Um, So so, yeah, I think it's, uh, I totally understand the impulse to say it's like, Oh wait, there's a Hollywood version and it's shorter. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I know how this story goes and I'm right there with you. 99% of the time it's, it is kind of a, you know, a cheaper, kind of cash grab operation. But uh, definitely if you can get your hands on the Miramax version, uh, I, I think it's a really rewarding, rewarding watch. And honestly, if it was someone's, uh, if I'm trying to introduce this movie to someone, I I very well might, might play that version of the film. But uh, again, the Eureka set that came out more recently is wonderful, uh, looks fantastic. And it's definitely the absolute best presentation that that original Hong Kong version has ever, ever received. Mm. Yeah. I would, I would say that what you're, what you're saying, I agree with. And, and what I think is that the, the motivations for the editing in the domestic release were, um, they're like, um, in respect of the viewer, I, it, you know what I mean? Like the, mm, yeah, there is some yeah, cuts yeah. for for violence, which is like okay. I I think they just didn't want to get it to a R rating based on some of the violence that you see, which um is like all right, I get that. But um yeah, kind of trimming things like really really small insignificant things get trimmed here and there. Um uh that's that's stuff that I'm okay with, and they yeah. don't really kind of change the context well and of the approach the approach watching. of the subtitles too is kind of interesting if when you yeah uh, and you probably noticed this when you had them side by side matthew mm-hmm. certain things are are very up, are yeah. very close but a lot of times mm-hmm. the miramax version will be more of like a transliteration that mm-hmm. uh, i think sometimes is is trying to provide a little more context like I know I was comparing mm-hmm. a scene where uh, Wong Ying is first squaring off against some of the kind of fallen Shaolin fighters. And some of the subtitle there, I think, does a, a really nice job of kind of giving you a little bit more background of like what's actually happening, even if it might not be literally translating like what those Cantonese words are. Uh, so again, yeah, I think there's this was this was handled with a lot of care. Honestly, I wish um, some of the other... <laughs> Uh, films of like the 90s and 2000s uh, from Hong Kong that that got brought over to the states had the same 
same amount of uh, care as what we got in Iron Monkey. But um, the good news is that I think it really cemented the reputation of this movie as a significant uh, Hong Kong film. And I think so many audiences were really wowed to find that in 1993, you had this crazy confident command of the camera and the choreography that most of the world was shocked by and 2001 with, or sorry, 2000 with Crouching Tiger. Mm. You, you can definitely feel a lot of Crouching Tiger and Dragons shadow on this, uh, in the Miramax release as well. Like the, the orchestration is very similar totally. to that. And yeah. Like, that definitely mm-hmm. seems like that was like the mandate here. And, um, yeah. and then just, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try not to like just preamble forever, but uh, just a little bit of context uh, more for the film itself. So we touched on, I guess years ago now, when first covering the original Once Upon a Time in China film, just what a big impact that had uh, for Hong Kong action cinema. And uh, we could really kind of appreciate that having been where we were in our Yun Wuping arc, because we really feel like through the mid to late 80s, it's all about kind of present day Hong Kong. And the period approach is largely out. And what Choi Hark did is he really brought this kind of high cinema and incredibly inspired kind of like camera work and production value to period Kung Fu. And, you know, Hong Kong cinema being what it did, like it did try to quickly jump into kind of copycat mode. Um, it, in some ways, it was a little bit more difficult to do than um, than the kinds of things we saw in the, you know, Shaw Brothers Golden Harvest era, the late 70s and early 80s. Um, but there were a few more, you know, bites at that kind of apple. Uh, also important context, and I think I mentioned it maybe in the last episode, but the choreography on the original Once Upon a Time in China um, had a little bit of kind of a rocky uh, story uh, behind the scenes. Originally, Lao Gar Wing um, was going to be the choreographer, a uh, preferred like a really kind of grounded, realistic style. Choi Hark wanted something a little bit more balletic, a little bit more fantastical, brought in Yun Chung Yan. And when it came to the finale, which is that really elaborate set piece in that really tall interior, Yun Chung Yan brought in his brother Yun Wuping, uncredited, to basically direct that entire finale. Um, and then going forward from that, Choi Hark asked Yun Wuping to choreograph uh, part two. And Yun Wuping recommended, hey, can you bring in Donnie Yen as the villain? Yeah. And, um, and this kind of started this really cool artistic collaboration between Choi Hark and Yun Wuping, which has kind of continued um, through throughout the years. Actually, Choi Hark wrote the screenplay for the uh, 2017 remake of Miracle Fighters that we, we touched on uh, briefly. But so uh, Choi Hark is bringing kind of his producer gravitas at this point um, and trying to kind of really build um, kind of a more sophisticated kind of like high bar project uh, for, for Yun Wuping. So the writing staff is Choi Hark and then some of yeah, his other writers from the first and second uh, Once Upon a Time in China. So Elsa Tong, Choi Hark himself, um, another guy went by uh, Charcoal Chung Tan. And compared to some of the other Yun Wuping films that we've covered, we definitely can feel this difference in the screenplay. Like the movie really mm. kind of holds together. The characterizations are quite clear and we have some pretty, pretty strong uh, threads here. Um, also, Choi Hark's kind of pedigree meant that uh, he could 
bring this to Golden Harvest. So this is a co-production with Golden Harvest, along with Troy Hark's own production company and uh, and a few others. So uh, we really see uh, the budget on the screen. The thing looks really... Uh, it looks so good. Really <laughs> freaking awesome. And honestly, it just feels like this road has opened up for Yun Ping to kind of return to... Um, the kind of mastery he's known for early in his career uh, with the support of, you know, really strong screenplay, great sets, great production value. And yeah, I don't know. So lucky that we have this, (laughs) that we have this movie. Um, But alongside uh, uh, some of the comments we were making earlier, this also fits, I think, very neatly into our arc because uh, mm-hmm. Yun Shunyi once again has a pretty significant role in the film, and uh, this feels maybe like a turning point for uh, his kind of cliched character. Uh, he's if he started out as kind of the underdog hero, he somehow morphed into the very grotesque, you know, dark magical villain, and here he is mm-hmm. as kind of like a compromised bureaucrat who still has a conscience in there somewhere. Um, oh, man. Yeah, well I think said. it's a really, uh, yeah, really cool kind of character. We've got Donnie Yen again, um, while not as the lead, still in a really significant role where he can really execute, I mean, perhaps some of the most memorable um, beats and, and fight sequences of uh, Kung Fu uh, film history. Um, and then also, uh, it would be bearing the lead, except we've been talking about it a little bit. In addition to this being a film covering the titular Iron Monkey, who's kind of like a Robin Hood slash Zorro kind of folk hero character, they're also kind of playing up the popularity of Wong Fei Hong and his connection to Choi Hark's film. Now, they're not bringing Jet Li in. Uh, what they're doing, I think, is really clever. is it's they're setting Iron Monkey as a kind of prequel where we're going to meet Wong Fei Hong as a young child and then really get to know his father, Wong Kei Ying, who is also like an actual historical person. And honestly, the young Wong Fei Hong is probably mm-hmm. my favorite aspect oh, yeah. uh, of the film, played by a young uh, Chang Tse Man. So a uh, young girl playing playing a young boy. We've got a good tradition of that in uh, international mm-hmm. films everywhere. Um, but as, as far as I know from the production, it was pretty open casting call. There was, you know, Yun Ping was seeing boys and girls, and she's just absolutely the best person oh, yeah. for, the, for the part. An incredible performer, um, mm-hmm. really empathetic in, in all of her close-ups. And this mm-hmm. fight towards the kind of center of the movie and daylight, it, uh, you know, young Wong Fei Hong, that's a top five Yun Ping fight for me. That's like the reason to, oh, reason wow. to watch the movie. It's so, so damn good. That's so yeah. awesome. Sung Zeman is a she wasn't in very many movies, but she was like a, a like a wushu master. And like you can see videos of her like doing wushu like routines and performances like in competitions. And yeah, it's amazing. It's, and yeah, it's it's really great. I love the the one that Carlos shares from two thousand three, and everyone has like this these like this like dyed hair and stuff. That's very <laughs> that's very of the time. Yeah, it's, cool. it's so but, awesome. And I remember an interview with her where she talked about uh, she's spoken a, a bit through the years about her experiences in making the film, which were, I think, largely positive. But one thing she remembers being that age and uh, realizing that she's going to have to shave her head, and uh, <laughs> she's definitely crying over crying over that. Which, oh, yeah, we could all That's probably. Now I get to. that. 
<laughs> um, yeah, man, you, you covered a lot of ground. I don't know Sorry. where we should go with this, but no, I, I completely appreciate it. I, I, I applaud your, your efforts here, but, um, I guess what I, what I could say is, um, yeah, this, this tight little cast, uh, what Matthew said earlier is that, um, you know, we do get a couple of people that we've seen throughout this arc, but we do get a lot of people that we haven't. And uh, the the titular Iron Monkey here, Yu Rongguan, he's uh, a man that I've recognized only because I feel like he has a very distinct face. So yeah, um, he only, does. He doesn't he a, have he has a, a lot good part of, in Shanghai Noon, actually. Yeah, um, I remember him yeah. from that, and I also remember him being like kind of like the antagonist, like master in the Jackie Chan karate kid which is weird to remember <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah so i'll have um, to i'll have to, I'll have to check that out. i remember seeing that i i worked i worked at a um at a daycare the summer that that came out so we <laughs> took the kids to see that oh nice. i like Amazing. that movie that's cool yeah yeah it's 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 honestly totally fine like if, if you're gonna remake karate kid you could do a lot worse you know yeah and yeah, actually sure. they're they, it seems like they're in the process of kind of folding that movie into whatever the karate oh, oh yeah. Ja- yeah well jackie and ralph really? Macchio made some kind of joint announcement that they're mm-hmm. there's like an open casting call for making a new karate kid film or something. yeah and it was them, sure. them together um yeah so that that's really cool and uh he's uh his female counterpart in the in the film is a woman named gene wang and um like everybody in this film it's it's this story that we said so many times mm-hmm. in in the hands of yung woo ping um, whether they've got experience or not, they're going to look amazing. And um, yeah. what we've got here is, yeah, uh, kind of an answer to Once Upon a Time in China in a way. But I also, I, it's a superhero movie. It's a period Dude, film totally. superhero <laughs> yeah. movie. So, um, and with a secret when it comes, identity too. Yeah, yeah. There's mm-hmm. all those kind of beats. There's like the cat and mouse game of who this person is, and uh, the the wire work is reflecting that. Also, you've got some of the most dynamic wire work you see in in any of the films from this era, and it's yeah. also it almost like in an anime like it's it's more dynamic than something you would see in animation or it, it there are moments in this film where they're doing like straight up like fighting game like techniques to each other it's, it's funny as the ga- as the game mm. as the movie goes on it becomes more video gamey mm-hmm. and like the last right, two right. fight scenes are like at first it's like it, the the wire work isn't is just kind of accentuating stuff but yeah. by the end of it it's straight up wuja stuff with like like mm-hmm. people flipping around and you know people hooking their feet onto each other and like you know these 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 crazy like action figures flying around kind of kind of yeah moves. totally yeah but the, seen some the, other the thing that I would really say though is that there's like a a really strong effort to show the balance of power and speed in during all of these fight mm, sequences I like that. and um yeah you you get some really amazing showcases of um, a character's strength. You know, obviously these are kind of made sets, so you know these sets are also made to be destroyed. But um, they're using these um, sets and the, the destruction of them to just kind of show the strength in a way that is 
much more impactful than a lot of these other kind of wire work wuxia films that you'd see and um yeah, yeah. um revisiting it for for the podcast that's something that really struck struck me about the the fight choreography here yeah and you can really feel it even compared to some of the other yuan Ping efforts that are happening like just leading up to iron monkey so his sort of directorial response to this sea change of once upon a time in china is the um, the film that actually came out earlier that same year, uh, Tai Chi Master, which is also a certifiable mm. classic with Jet Li and Michelle Yeoh. Um, but yeah, watching that uh, that wire work, also it never had the benefit of this kind of loving like Miramax re-release or something like that. But uh, yeah, I, there's there's a sense with that film that things are a bit more slapdash that were kind of running against the clock, I think, with some of some of the sequences in a way that uh, I, I never quite feel with Iron Monkey. It, it really feels like every shot they got like the A take. Um, it's, yeah, really kind of kind of nuts. All right, guys, I think we're ready. Yeah, <laughs> I think 40, 40 minutes in, we're ready to start oh, talking about this movie. <laughs> um, but first, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. Through the shadows of the night, Iron Monkey steals from the rich to give to the needy. By day, those same hands heal the sick. The corrupt government combs through the town trying to find him and targets any helpless citizen that looks similarly simian. Folk hero Wang Qiying and his young son Wang Feihang arrive just in time to get wrapped into a town's tribulations. Yun Wuping brings you a new angle on the legends we already know. Donnie Yen and Yu Ron Guan face off against Yin Shi Quan in Iron Monkey. Like you mentioned before, I love that Iron Monkey is is very Robin Hood. He is totally. he is very like stealing from the rich, giving to the poor, and all that. Um, and even down to the the whole like I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing, but I have to because I don't agree with the leaders in charge, which yeah, is kind of the side right. of Robin Hood people. People always kind of forget about. Um, and we see this in this very, very first scene because there's these, uh, there's these monks that are coming in and like the, the governor of the, or the mayor, whatever the town is, is corrupt and he's breaking in to, to steal the money. And I, it's just, it's, it's an amazing opening scene with the hopping on the rooftops. There's one weird, yeah. Like, Yep. See, is it CG? <laughs> it's hard to tell. It looks. It's like, hard to tell. It's it, very odd. It's only a it's second. Very out of place. Yeah. It's is if, if even a second. It's like a little ball like it, bouncing. It's of. like a little ball bouncing. It's very strange. But uh, but <laughs> everything else. I think they just is, cut is, that shot in the Miramax, or I can't remember if they replaced they did. it. Yeah. They just, they just cut it. There are a couple of little CG overlays in the Miramax, <laughs> but not a. Not a there are, which but, are a little, yeah. which are a little strange to see, but um. But yeah, but yeah, the it's shot so cool. The the sound stage with like that that very it makes me think of Choi Hark every time I see it. The, the like the fog with the bluish yeah. light, the backlit, the, yeah, the, the backlit with the the gels and stuff. And dude, it's, really, gr- I mean, just great focus pulling on this whole show. It's just like really mm-hmm. sharp, and all the close ups are awesome. Oh, another thing, sorry, last thing to call out about the Miramax. Um, <laughs> they credit all kinds of people that you never see credited in actual Hong Kong films, including gaffers and um yeah, oh, cool. grips and everything. So it's like and actually the tea like the tea lady I think Yeah tea lady. So I, I wrote like, that down in my notes. Yeah. yeah tea lady gets a credit. So I'm like, oh awesome. that's that's awesome. But yeah I love the idea of this opening because I think you know audiences are 
they're ready to kind of code the pious shaved head Shaolin monk as a hero. And we're really kind of flipping that on its head in this opening where we're introduced to the monks in a meditative pose. And then we very soon come to find that actually they're on the take. Um, and there's something kind of fishy about this, about this whole town. And we're introduced to Yun Shun Yi, uh, just great look for Yun Shun Yi in this, you know, he has the kind of traditional kind of conical rice hat, but with like these red tassels on it and this, blue, it's, mm-hmm. and this cool mustache anyways. He, yeah. Dude, oh, yeah. look, dude looks awesome. Um, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, when we're introduced to, um, the, uh, yeah, what's this? T- oh yeah. Go- governor just, yeah. Super, <laughs> super. <laughs> yeah, he's, enjoyable. In, he's in bed with like, like it, nine other ladies. That yeah. Are, it's kind of like, they're like trying to hide out to, to hide his money. Yeah. He's like hiding under the covers from iron monkey. So I, I love the idea that it's, it's a little bit in medias for us. It's like, yeah, you know, you hear about Iron Monkey kind of before you see everything he's capable mm-hmm. of. But yeah, James Wong playing the governor really, yeah, really dishes it out in this movie. It's great, and and already by this opening, we're seeing a lot of just these incredible Dutch angles, great mix of close-ups and just stunning blocking. Um, and our when our first fight scene breaks out, uh, I think this is really smart. It's kind of like a musical, like trying to get to its song moment sort of early. It's like, okay, let's break your suspension of disbelief or whatever, like early. And so we're honestly seeing some pretty fantastical wire work right away in the scene. And then I would say, uh, the, the choreography kind of eases into what you guys were describing earlier, which is like, tends to be more grounded and then kind of escalates its way up scene by scene until the Mm. finale. But uh, I actually think it's pretty wise that we get a flash kind of right away of what we're in, what's in store for us here uh, in the movie. And um, yeah, I mean, these are just, it's just like money shot demo reel (laughs) shot after, (laughs) after shot with this stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, so when when Iron Monkey shows up, they're all kind of like protective over the situation, and also it does kind of feel like a like a Batman thing where everybody is like oh, kind yeah, of totally. scared of this. You know, all the bad guys are scared of this guy showing up, but they're all tell your like, friends about me. Yeah, yeah, it's one of these situations. But um, he he ends up fighting these uh, Shaolin monks, and yeah, he's almost in the air the whole time, which I love. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and they're using these kind of big kind of Guandao spear kind of situation, and it's he's using those as platforms, which I think is really great too. And um, but you, yeah, that governor seems slimy, but he also seems kind of like in a lovable way he's slimy <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so you're kind of like kind of you're not totally against them but you're also like waiting for to, the iron monkey to kind of pull one over yeah it's on this him. thing where you definitely look down on him for having this whole like harem or whatever but you don't get mm-hmm. the sense that he is this kind of like vicious abuser so it's like mm-hmm. you're having this weird kind of tone where it's like you're able to laugh at him but you really think he's he's scum too Yep. Yeah, he's he is. It's funny for for a movie that has like a fairly straightforward plot. There are some kind of complicated characters in these yeah, antagonists because yeah. like the um, Chief Fox or Master Fox, the Yin Chinese character is, you know, he's he's the authority. He's a cop. He's the you know, he is the guy trying to track down iron monkey but also he can tell he has like a conscious and he right. understands that there's issues going on 
the governor is just like completely selfish, but he isn't necessarily like vicious. He's just like he just is in it for himself and for the money. But then whenever we meet the the um, like the inspector and everything, they really are vicious and evil and are just out to to hurt people. And it's cool. It's cool to see the layers of layers of villain. That's cool. Yeah, the, I really like how you put. The, it's almost like there's like a ethical spectrum or something. And mm. and then as we come to meet Doctor Young, aka mm-hmm. Iron Monkey, and Miss Orchid, yeah. and Wong K Ying, we see kind of like the more altruistic end of the yeah. spectrum. And actually, yeah. And then you also see Young uh, Wong K Ying is also kind of not a hundred percent a good guy whenever you first yeah. see him because I love seeing like his ethics kind of challenged a little bit. Yeah, because he's like, well, I'm gonna work with the authorities to try to find this 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 guy so I can get out of here. Um, and discovering the the issues and this is a, this is a good movie. This is like a well scripted yeah. movie. Which, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Which which has been kind of shaky in this arc. Some oh, of the yeah. movies sure. are definitely yeah. not as well scripted as others. Oh, but this yeah. one, yeah, this one is really well written and, and paced and planned out. Yeah, I definitely feel like Marty set the stage for us perfectly when when it comes to this arc too, because it's. Um, yeah, in the line of duty four was a really fun time, but it was basically another thing where you're kind of just kind of connecting action scenes together with yeah. a plot. And um, there was a bit more of that building in that movie compared to the one that the episode yeah. we did before that. So it's kind of cool to see how um, all of the different parts of what we what we love about what Yongwu Ping does, you know, the kind of fun, kind of lovable characters, the kind of fun comedic moments, and also this kind of high execution of martial arts on film kind of coagulate into this kind of more refined idea. And and, um, I love that we're using this film to kind of jump off from this arc for this, because it it really is like all of those corners um, uh, in a really solid way. Dude, I love how you put that. That's great. Yeah, the the comedy is a really fun bit about this movie too. Like even towards the end of that first sequence, and I mean we're moving away from that now, but yeah. um, you get this moment where the Iron Monkey shows up again in disguise, and that's how he's yeah, able to great. execute yeah. on uh, stealing the. the and I love the little Three Stooges treasure. he does in Yun Chunyi's eyes or whatever. Yeah, um. it, it's great. Um, and then moving beyond that, you see that um, the the Chief Fox visits. Uh, Yang, the the doctor who is Iron Monkey, but nobody really knows. And they that have such a chummy, us. warm relationship. It's yeah. so it's so cool. And um, you're expecting uh, Yun Shun Yi's character to kind of be more antagonistic here, but he has a moment where he stands up for Miss Orchid, who is his yeah. female companion, and you you mm-hmm. you get a little bit more of a sense of a full character here, which is really great. Yeah, totally. That's yeah. one of my favorite jokes in the movie is whenever this this one guy is like he he's trying to like he's <laughs> yeah. he's being real scummy to to Orchid, and he tries to bribe Yun Shin to give him a good away. He's like, "How dare you bribe me in public?" And then he just pockets the money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> arrest yeah. the guy. It's really good. And then Ugh. I love the little, uh, but yeah, uh, Jean Wong, we sh- should call her out. Um, just absolutely beautiful. Um, but really, oh, yeah, I she's, think, she looks incredible in this and, and you, she's, she's a really good performer too. Yeah. Super good performer and just really great, great presence and love the character of Miss Orchid. You really get the sense that she ends up having a big impact on young Wong Feihong. And I like that idea. Um, whenever we're, kind of turning the clock back and trying to understand how a you know no famous character developed 
I kind of come away from Iron Monkey believing it's like, oh yeah, it's actually Iron Monkey and Miss Orchid really mm-hmm. kind of helped with the ethical development of young Wong Fei Hung. Um, anyways, like, yeah, really great characters, but love the, the cap to the scene because we see this man um, outside of the clinic and he's kind of like scaling this tree or whatever and looks somewhat monkey like. <laughs> and uh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Yang is, uh, and there's a beautiful uh, kind of a- camera angle on, on the two guys. Dr. Yang saying, yeah. like, oh, do you think he could be Iron Monkey? And uh, Fox's line is something like, honestly, everybody looks like Iron Monkey to me now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually it's really good. smart script writing, too, because it, it's taking yeah, you totally. a step further than where you would normally expect a Hong Kong film to be. <laughs> it's almost like a self-aware like idea right there yeah it's, totally it's, and yeah and i really want to call out uh elsa tong uh Pikian, who's one of the screenwriters and um she also ended up uh doing some work on the screenplay for uh wing chun which is a film that i know oh, we all, great. oh yeah we all loved. Awesome. Here too. Yeah. yeah cool um you get a really uh lovable montage of the iron monkey basically playing santa claus <laughs> he's he's bringing gold to the needy and yeah, um, yeah even that's so cool Literally some... like historical Santa Claus, actually, later on, because he, yeah, he gives yeah. money. He gives money to a person so that they don't, well, they think that he's giving money to a person so they don't sell themselves into sex work, oh. um, which that's that's the historical St. Nicholas. That was how he became a saint, was, oh, that was nice. the thing he would do. Yeah, man. Uh, some yeah. Fu- some funny beats, though. With yeah. yeah, with the with the monkey screeching and like I love his his notes with the little cartoon yeah, monkey on yeah, them. Yeah, so cool. Um, and the one guy that tries to get greedy and then <laughs> Dire Monkey yeah. throws a rock at him and says, "Don't be greedy." There's a note that says, "Don't be greedy." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> we def- we see um, yeah some children being kind of abused and um, mm. it, it, yes, and it's it's really a nice window into kind of all the all the wrongs that um, the Iron Monkey is trying to write. And then this sort of montage closes with a super memorable, um, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of poetic sequence of shots where it's raining. Mm-hmm. And then we see that uh, Miss Orchid is also uh, on a rooftop across from Iron Monkey and she pulls down her mask mm-hmm. and she has this umbrella. And anyways, yeah, super romantic uh, sequence of shots here. And we get mm-hmm. a sense of just kind of how deep their relationship runs. That's cool, and I like that. I always love a love a power couple in these movies. Dude, <laughs> oh, power totally. couple, yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> um, and the the governor is getting all tight now because this Iron Monkey's causing problems. So oh, yeah. this is a really funny, <laughs> this really is funny a, scene too. Yeah, really great little montage. Now yeah, all where... his ladies, I love. They just like really give him a hard time. Yeah. yeah, they're like, we should be eating better. And he's like, it's hard to feed <laughs> nine of you. I have nine yeah. wives. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like that. But he's but, basically ordering Fox to like arrest anybody that's related to anything monkey-like. Yeah, <laughs> which I love that one guy like is actually doing monkey style, and they arrest him. One is holding a sign that has the word monkey on it, and they get him. <laughs> yeah. One guy just sneezes and like brushes his face a little <laughs> yeah. bit. kind of looks like a monkey. <laughs> that's my favorite one. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, that's super good good <laughs> uh, but now we get to see yeah. our, our our young hero uh with Wong Ying and Wong Fei Hung walking into town yeah, yeah this is awesome I, I was just talking to Marty a little bit off mic but um I'm realizing that Donnie you know here he's playing Wong Ying, who's um you know according to like folk legend is one of the 10 tigers of Canton um but he's also played Beggar So 
in uh, Heroes Among Heroes. Yeah. And um, so he's covered so many of these Chinese folk heroes. We've got Ip Man. We've got yeah. Here Wong Ki Ying. Uh, you know, it's it's really crazy to see. He was Chen Zen on, you know, like yeah. Fist of Fury, Chinese Connection. Like, wow. Like, who hasn't he played? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't. As I say, I don't think he's played Wong Fei Hung. Yeah, that's, right? that's the only one. But I, I, I hesitate to say that because I, I'm, maybe I'm forgetting something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he I don't think he has, but it's I mean definitely gotten awful close and um I really like what's going on with the depictions here. You get a sense that we're sort of synthesizing um what we already know from Jet Li's portrayal of Wang Fei Hung mm-hmm. and what we know from Kwata King's uh famous portrayal. And there's a really cool kind of amalgam, I think. And it, just in general, and this goes to the choice of trying to depict Wong Fei Hung as a child. Uh, I think it's it feels nice and respectful, like it's giving uh, it's giving Jet Li kind of his his space, and it's kind of deferring to him being the you know the author of that part at this point in time. Um, and uh, we also get some nice beats where we see it's like like father like son. They sort of mimic yeah. each other's movements, um, mm-hmm. and also just in terms of the costuming. Uh, young Wong Fei Hong is dressed very similar to, you know, Jet Li's Wong Fei Hong in the Once Upon a Time in China films. And then um, definitely look out for the signature umbrella, which Jet Li mm. made great use of. And uh, there, there are some nice little beats where we get a sense of just what he might have learned from uh, his father, Wang Ki Ying, and um, kind of what he then kind of takes takes to another level himself. Yeah, you you also do get the kind of signature undercranking, and I I didn't go I didn't do a, like so a side I actually, by side. I, I actually did the the dumb, <laughs> oh you did the dirty work on this because there's been this um this kind of like internet fact for a long time that like oh the right. Miramax version quote unquote fixes the undercranking, and <laughs> so I I was really curious about this, and so. Uh, once I like ripped both versions of the Blu-rays, I was like putting them side by side, frame by frame, these fight mm-hmm. sequences, and it's just not true. And also, when <laughs> you think about it, it's just not something that can be done. I mean, with with modern digital like temporal interpolation tools, you can yeah. you can mm-hmm. obviously do things like that. But as far as what was like widely implemented in two thousand one, and what would be ready for like an actual theatrical release. A frame is a frame is a frame, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what what you captured on the film is what you what you captured on film. Now, I think what what uh, was going on for a lot of folks that were doing comparisons back in the day is some of the only available releases of in the UK. Hong Kong cinema at the time were coming out of the UK. So yep. for folks in the states that were watching these PAL DVDs. They were all fast, and they're everything about, was a little too fast. Yeah, yeah, and they're like a semitone higher in pitch as well. Yeah, so any I was gonna kind of say undercrank stuff I've, with Pal, yeah, it just looks way too fast. My uh, early on in the podcast, a lot of the uh, a lot of the rips were from Pal, uh, and. I've I learned how the Golden Harvest theme is supposed to sound <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I would hear it and be like, wait, that sounds a little off. And I found, okay, ear. it's because it's because it's because it's because it was slightly too fast. It was slightly too high. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's not just, to say that that people yeah. that saw I, Iron Monkey in the theater weren't like, oh, wait a second, the speed. I mean, if they were used to the PAL version, you know, their eyes weren't fooling them. Like it is a more controlled 
speed, mm-hmm. but it's not because of any kind of fancy stuff that's going on. Now, th- now that being said, um, like we talked about it at the top, the footage for this film is really combed combed through and i i kind of think of the miramax iron monkey as like a very soft special edition and at the time yun Ping was really referring to that as the ultimate version of of the film um and again like you know he gave his stamp on on any of the changes but there are certain shots and and even sequency things that are slightly different or or tightened editorially when it comes to the fight scenes. But yeah, as far as the actual tempo um, and all the tests that I was doing, nope, it's one-to-one. It's, it's Love it. You can't change that stuff. Man, I, I passed you that softball and you hit it out of the park again, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is that I love how you said fix the undercranking because well, the, yeah. the thing I'm reminded of is... Um, Recently, when okay, we we love video game music, right? And uh, um, oh boy, the the the, the leak where they found the Super stuff, all the yeah. Super Big Nintendo leak, samples, yeah. and it was like then we had these people that were recreating Super Nintendo music using the clear samples and saying, yeah. "Hey, this is like the this is a restored true, version, or, yeah, or yeah. the remastered version." It's like, nah, hold on a second, this yeah. is what it was meant to be. Like, there's yeah, nothing that, beyond that. You're just yeah, kind was, of yeah. creating your fantasy. Here. And it is neat. It's yeah. an interesting yeah, it like thought neat. experiment because it's like this is what they they would have heard this and then been like, okay, well, this is what we're gonna you know digitize down. Yeah. Um. And it's and it's it is interesting because it sounds way different whenever it's compressed or whatever. I wrote a whole script for this that I never made into what? an episode. Oh, you got um, one. <laughs> I did, did. Um. But and actually, someone else. I'll have to. I'll have to find the person and but there's someone did a video about that recently that was really good mm. and oh, it was cool. like way better way better than i could have than i could have worded it oh come on um about this thing is yeah. it's pretty good cool. Um, cool and they actually had like the synthesizers and stuff to to play to to play the samples and everything that, so that's, that's cool. nice editor matthew here the video i was trying to think of is called sampling and video game music by the channel toffee bun yeah, it's, I totally understand the the temptation, but it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's akin to saying it's like, oh yeah, let's remove the color grading or let's unmix mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. song or it's like, yeah, these like, you know, what these artists put their stamp on is not an accident. <laughs> like, yeah, the undercranking was an artistic decision. They wanted it to look super fast. So yeah, exactly. You know, I, now, I mean, they did not want it to have artificial PAL speed up or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, I think that would be something in the realm of where I'd be fine using the word correct, you know, because mm-hmm. right. it's like a unintended kind of byproduct of yeah. those, you know, different technology or whatever. But. Well, something that they did fix in the Miramax version is that the monkey farts. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> what? The, is that for real? That's for real. Oh I Because I, I was watching the, the Miramax one earlier, and there's in this like courtroom scene where all of the arrested iron monkeys, which includes an actual monkey, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, is, is walking around on its head and has its butt in the air, and it farts. And I was like, is that in the original? And I listened to the original audio, and it doesn't. So they added that yeah. in the Miramax version. I imagine Again, you that will Skywalker sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yu Ping gets a, a, an urgent email saying, yeah. "Hey, we need to change this thing." He's like, "You need to add the monkey fart. You need to add <laughs> yeah. it." That's amazing. Well, we, well, and we don't have the technology to add the fart sound. And... 
Sorry. Uh, We've got a long time without a. We a, haven't had George. Yeah, I'm just glad George didn't stroll by and like, I'll throw a do back in there. You know. <laughs> yeah. There's a rock in front of Vincent Yi for no reason. Oh my god, I have to make that. Damn it. <laughs> oh, I have to make that now. You cursed me. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> um, okay, so getting back into the film, we've we've got a situation where our corrupt governor is obsessed with making somebody. Uh, guilty and Wang Qiying and Wang Feihong are caught in the middle of this like we mentioned and it looks like it's going to be pretty bad for them but then the Iron Monkey shows up and uh, he has a little and then the governor kind of claims it's like oh this was his plan all along to lure him out in the daylight yeah. and uh, here we get a great confluence of some of the things we've been talking about like you were saying Matthew some of the um, more three dimensional shades of character uh, even though Wong Kaying has just been oppressed by the governor, and the governor was literally threatening to brand young Wong Feihong, uh, which is also a nice moment because we see Officer Fox like try to stand up to him. But um, as soon as Iron Monkey reveals himself, Wong Kaying, being like a law-abiding man, he tries to go after him, um, and some of that makes sense because it's like, oh, look at it. it's 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 because of you that all of our you know, safety was just thrown in a jeopardy, but it also leads us to one of just the most beautiful little fight sequences I've ever seen. Um, so you've got, uh, you know, Wong Kaying and Iron Monkey on the rooftop and during the day, and you get some awesome work with like the chains around the his wrists yeah. and beautiful, uh, editorially, it's just so beautiful. We go from these awesome, uh, cameras in very close and then the cameras in this like beautiful almost like painterly wide shot and uh and then we get some cuts back to some kind of shenanigans with fox and his guards and then they throw up ladders and the ladders get kicked down and um yeah i don't know just love this stuff oh yeah super good the the other thing i th- think there's also should... fighting game stage Oh yeah, oh, they do totally. kind of very <laughs> on, on the rooftop yeah. fighting game stage situation. Yeah. Um, Iron Monkey. I mean, most of the people are probably picturing him, but we should state since this podcast that he's basically dressed like a ninja, and um, yeah, you know yeah. his face is covered up. But more so than just how he looks, he he actually does use some ninja like weaponry. So he has these like iron oh, balls true. that he uses as projectiles, yeah. and, and he smoke, also uses yeah. uh yeah like some smoke bombs and. Um, the caltrops, which caltrops, are those little yep. kind of spikes on the ground. And um, it's really cool to see that represented here. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess in a, a little tease for next year, it, ninjas are something that I really feel like we should focus in on at some point <laughs> next year on the podcast. We've brushed against ninjas a couple of times, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been they've been flipping around us and hiding in the shadows. But... That's true. They're, they're actually secretly in every episode. But... Yeah, we'll put yeah. the spotlight on them next time. But it, it's yeah. really cool to see that represented uh, in the middle of the choreography here as well. Um, yeah. I also really love that uh, Iron monkey gets his own little kind of insult to the governor by swiping off his eyebrow it's such a yeah. slap in the face kind of mm-hmm. idea that it's, it's and really, it's almost really like fun. that buddhist fist moment with the mustache um, yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i love that he, uh the the governor is whenever he's talking to wonky afterwards he's like covering half of his face <laughs> yeah, with the eyebrows cut great. off 
and he has this wacky also yeah. whispering in his ear that's really mm-hmm. um he's really funny but yeah the what the governor sort of pronounces super unfair is basically that he's going to keep Wong uh Wong Feihong in custody um as a kind of i don't know it's incentive or ploy so that Wong Ki Ying is like collateral yeah exactly committed to tracking down Iron Monkey and we get a little bit of a ticking clock you got seven days to find Iron Monkey and so uh yeah so father and son are kind of disbanded at this point and then as Wong Kei Ying tries to kind of go about the town and acquaint himself he's finding that basically all of these villagers are on the side of Iron Monkey and his name is Mud here um, yeah. No one's mm-hmm. going to sell him any food. No one really wants to give him the time of day. Except for our heroine, uh, Orchid. She yeah. sees him trying to grab a bun that fell on the ground and, and invites him in. Some silliness here with uh, him eating spicy food and then we use yeah, some, yeah, kung totally. fu, some kung fu cooking. I always love some kung fu cooking. Yeah, um, totally. And and, and and like and like I say every time, this always makes me want to go and get some some dumplings, or dude. Right? Some, some cook twice. Well, and then pork and then whatever. arguably one of the most impressive stunts of the movie comes after. So Wong yeah. Kee is showing his like Cantonese cooking, and then we get to see uh, Doctor Yang, you know, played by the great uh, Yurong Guang, and he is slicing dough into noodles straight into the wok from this impressive distance. And it's like watching like Steph Curry like warm up with trees or something. It's like <laughs> nice. It's yeah. amazing, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. know, and really cool camera angles once again on on all this. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so cool. I also like how yeah we're bringing these main characters together, but you also have that un- underlying conflict mm-hmm. that you as the viewer know. Hey, um, you know the target is sitting at the dinner table yeah, with him. Like, if I find if I find Iron Monkey, I'm going to kill him. He's literally sitting next to you. Yeah. And it's really cool because there stuff. are these provincial tensions too, but I think part of what makes the movie successful is it's not only relying on that. There's this character level tension that's very clear. So, you know, uh, one character's from the North, one character's from the South. Mm. Who knows how well that reads for an international audience, but I think we can all kind of understand the idea of like, Oh, this is actually Iron Monkey, uh, kind of in his in his day job, and if only he knew, if only Wang Keying knew, like who he was dining mm-hmm. with, kind of a thing. Yeah, again, like a sort of James Bond kind of Batman ish yeah. vibe going on here. It's really fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is like a superhero, like talking to someone who's like literally like you know J Jonah Jameson saying you know Spider Man's a menace while talking. Yeah, to Spider-Man. yeah, exactly. That's so cool. Um, and then, so basically Dr. Young and um, Miss Orchid, they end up going to the jail where young Wong Fei-Hung is being held. And they sort of convince Fox that, you know what, with all the plague that's going around, wouldn't he be safer actually like at our clinic staying with us? And um, yeah, Fox is totally amenable to that. So Wong Fei-Hung is now in their care. And he makes sure to grab his dad's umbrella before... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and fox has a nice little rendezvous with wonky ying on a rooftop at night so wonky ying oh yeah is, i love this yeah he's like on patrol and um you see that fox is across the way and he's cooking some food up which is really fun so they they have a little kind of heart to heart which mm-hmm. also yeah it's it's bringing more of a full idea to uh yeah. chief fox here it's really great 
and a very different a interaction is... than we've seen with Donnie and Yun Shun Yi and some of their other movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and a lot of this gets actually a lot of that gets cut out in the Miramax version where he's oh. like where where Donnie's talking about like, you know, when are we going to ever get good officials and the joke with like the chimney getting <laughs> getting blown out and the, yeah. the food going everywhere. Mm. Um, which I don't completely get why they cut that out, but whatever. Well, I, um, I, it yeah. could be because of the following scene right here, because uh, maybe they just wanted to really push just you into right another uh, action sequence because mm-hmm. yeah what what happens is there's a a group of um also clad like ninja like mm-hmm. fellows and it looks like they're kidnapping a woman and uh chief fox and wong k ying uh interrupt their uh, shenanigans and you get donnie Yen looking really tight here um and yeah uh, and you I can just... make out um our uh, uh mandy chan yep um, mm-hmm. uh, under one of the masks there yeah, what you what you come to find out? I mean, we know that these are those uh, mischievous Shaolin monks that are causing some trouble, and um, the the idea that they don't, I guess, play up too much. But if in multiple rewatches, what you understand is that basically these main villains are like like traitorous Shaolin, and Wang Qiying has some noted remarks about them once he encounters them. So there's a, like. The shadowless kick we've talked about with Wong Fei Hung, yeah. they represent that a couple of times in this film. And the first time you see anything similar to that is in this fight where it's literally like Chun Li's like lightning legs yeah, from amazing. Street Fighter Two. Yeah, and not only that, but he it, does have a moment where he, he was, almost shoots like a Hadouken. I was about to say he basically shoots a Hadouken yeah. at one point too, where he, he hits this he hits this like bear, this. Uh, bag of like grain or something with yeah. both his palms out and it's the the same straight up hadoken pose which is really mm-hmm. really yeah. fun but um you've also got a kind of another character that enters the film here and it's a female that kind of has like a, a, a almost a ceremonial kind of outfit but she's uh yeah. aligned with these uh, shaolin monks and um she's also got like kind of a a distinctive scar on her face and uh, anytime she shows up, I'm in love because dude, she's um, oh yeah, yeah, she's Lee Fi is the Lee Fi, and, and yeah. also she's also a competitive martial artist. Yeah, yeah, and she's very proficient, and she just looks super tight on screen. And um, I, I can imagine that any movie that she's in, she's got a little laundry list of films. Um, I I need to check them all out now because she's just excellent on the camera. Yeah. So the next scene we get a little a little flashback to see where Miss Orchid came from and we find out that she was it's, it's a very tragic story about how she was she was a prostitute and she uh, her she lost her baby and um then Dr. Yang came in and, and kind of saved her from that life after that tragedy and uh, in the original version she's like singing a song um, and they yeah. they cut they cut the song and they made it's weird they made the flashback look worse in the Miramax because mm. there's like a blue filter for the flashback but it looks worse in the Miramax and I don't completely I, get why yeah I do know I do know what you mean I mean I think some there's something about like those you know strong filters that we've seen in mm-hmm. in flashbacks before that I suppose are maybe tying your hand a little bit but yeah. um. Yeah, I will say the old the old DVDs of the time 
looked much worse than the Miramax. So we're playing kind of a hopscotch game where now the that's Eureka true. is is the best looking version of that. Actually, that's game. true. They might have they might have had Eureka might have had a better film stock to work off of for the flashback than the Miramax did at the time. I, I see what you're saying. But um, but um, yeah, it's a I th- but, yeah really powerful scene. I also love that as she's kind of coming out of her reverie, we see that uh, Dr. Yang is playing Arhu in the courtyard. And another yeah. difference there in the original cut, he's also kind of voicing over in his mind um, kind of poetry along with playing the Arhu, which they mm-hmm. sort of forego in the Miramax. Um, yeah. But I do prefer the, Miramax the, is the a, Arhu playing in the in the yes. Miramax version. Because the Miramax has a so. real Arhu being played, not a not Arhu one on a keyboard, <laughs> MIDI or something. Arhu <laughs> yeah, yeah. one, <laughs> nice. <That's great. laughs> oh, oh man, I I do really like how this is a very kind of sentimental, kind of emotional like sequence here, and it's juxtaposed with like straight up <laughs> bugs bunny yeah. antics in the next scene yeah, so man <laughs> you've got yeah. our iron monkey and his female companion here but they're in disguise as this um there's the governor's aware that there's like an investigator that's going to be arriving in town but i mean of course oh, he so you know what it's like it's like an avatar when Sokka and katara pretending to be Yes, his parents. It's totally that. Yeah, dress up with like, the <laughs> mustache and stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's awesome because yeah, there's no way to know how this person will look, and uh, there's no way to really know exactly when they're going to show up. So yeah. um, they're oh, in disguise. Oh, a fun little trim from the Miramax here is it cuts to this establishing shot when they go upstairs of the sort of harem with the governor. And okay, the, I'm glad you caught girl, that too. The girl in the foreground basically like spits over this bird, like bathing the bird in like all this water. It's it's the, very strange. The Miramax yeah, just cuts straight to her. And she's kind of smiling at Yeah, the Miramax cuts like immediately after she's done that. That's yeah, hilarious. It's very, it's very bizarre, but it, it's I wouldn't have even thought about it until I watched that and was like, wait, what? <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, they, they, um, our, our two heroes come in and they have these great fake beards. And uh, I love that uh, Miss Orchid has a fake beard going on too. Yeah, um, and I love that whenever they ask him for his, his paper saying that he's an inspector, he's like looking through, he's like, Oh no, iron monkey stole it. And yeah. Holds up the, yeah. It's the perfect. Card. Oh, I also mm-hmm. love that one of his wives is trying to repaint on his, uh, the governor's eyebrow, missing eyebrow, yeah, with the <laughs> eyebrow pencil. That's great. <laughs> She's like, stop moving. It's going to be crooked or something. Like yeah. that. It's really fun. But they really pull one over on him. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're trying to find some documents. But in the end, they they basically assign him to leave the city and to have him like share um, their the food with the public as a donation. So um, really pulling one over and stealing a bribe yeah. as well in the middle of it. So um, that's that's really fun, and it's really played out well. The timing of it all, and actually, um, uh, use performance as this kind of goofy investigator is is just perfectly comedic. His physical comedy yeah, it's is cool great. Yeah, cool to get that range from him in the, in the mm-hmm. role here. Mm-hmm. There's a bit earlier where he's treating Chief Fox for his wounds after they fought the um, Iron Monkey, and there's a moment where. Uh, Chief Fox makes a dramatic movement and he pulls away like in shock, like it in a comedic way. That's, oh yeah. That's like a kind moment. of the, the first clue to kind of his comedic range, which I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's a really funny beat also where he orders the, 
the governor to get lashed and um <laughs> chief fox is the one to do it and chief fox is yeah. like hey man I, it's an order i gotta do it i love <laughs> yeah, yeah. that so much really funny mm-hmm. Again, just another opportunity to celebrate like how strong of an actor Yun Shun Yi is. Like mm. whatever sort of part he's been given in our arc here, um, he just he gets an A plus every time. Yeah, for sure. So now back to uh, we get to see Wang Fei Hung uh, wakes up and he's starts. I, I wrote in my notes he kung fu busks. Yeah, he's like oh, doing great. doing kung fu stuff with on General's orders playing. Um, yeah, and. Uh, and afterwards, it's funny because he does that, but then afterwards he's like, "So I'm gonna sell you these secret life saving pills." Yeah, now that I have your attention, <laughs> yeah, give me some money. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and there was the pickpockets that caused trouble with them as they entered mm-hmm. town. They show up again, and then we get a wonderful fight sequence now with our young oh, Wang Fei Hung. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is the this is that thing I was talking about earlier, and this is one of those fight scenes I probably watch like three times a year. Just like <laughs> if I need some kind of pick me up, it's uh, again every every shot is perfectly framed, executed. We've got all kinds of crazy ingenuity and inventiveness in the choreography, and then just freaking great performance by by these actors here. Um, this yeah, yeah and- I mean this this is as good as as action cinema i think can ever get so this is awesome stuff yeah with uh with our performer here being as young and and small framed you also kind of have to understand that really it's it's up to them to do all of the choreography you don't have Mm -hmm. many moments here where you're seeing a double it's all Mm -hmm. legit yeah and she's incredible Um, so good and with with the umbrella yeah with the umbrella and it is it is very like like it feels like she probably watched um, Once Upon a Time in China a bunch because <laughs> yeah. she she kind of has that same kind of like air of of you know confidence that Jet yeah. Li has. I mean, so many so many memorable shots here, but like someone's throwing a hot pitcher of tea on her and she's blocking it with the umbrella, and then mm-hmm. that also that great shot where she falls into the splits as she's pointing the nose mm-hmm. end of the umbrella up at that dude, and, and there's a great little fourth wall beat after she's knocked most of these bad guys out, it's like, why is my Kung Fu this good? Um, That's what I was going to... It just feels like a great little Yun Wu Ping-ish kind of moment, just like very Mm. hip and kind of knowing. Yeah, I was going to get into that a little bit. As we go through the film, you also get these moments where there's actually some clever banter back and forth between the people that are fighting each other. And I really yeah. enjoy that Wong Fei Hung here isn't really canonized. You know, Wong Fei Hung is still a kid. So Wong Fei Hung has these genuine childlike reactions to things that I think really add a little flavor to this intense fight choreography. Yeah. Whenever the, like the adult starts fighting, fighting Wong Fei Hung. And at one point he says like, basically if I can't beat a kid that I'm going to retire and then he hides and she's like, he's like, wow, he retired really fast. Yeah. That's funny. There was a a line that I made sure to write down from the sequence previous when um, Iron Monkey is in disguise. He's talking to the governor about leaving to a different town and he basically gives them this proverb that I feel like everybody coming into 2024 needs to remember. <laughs> and he says, just remember, politics is like a dream. 
don't take it too seriously and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's perfect. There you go. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, something I had to there. write that down. Hmm. But yeah, that's now great. we're starting to see uh, the real enemy show up. Oh, so yeah. um, after yeah. this sequence, you've got um, Miss Orchid kind of scooping up Wong Fei Hong, and it leads us to the next scene where we see uh, the the investigator that was um, uh, foretold is arriving, and mm-hmm. um, this is not a joke. This is some serious business now, mm-hmm. and um, he's got his own, uh, basically his own royal guard, and those uh, Shaolin monks that we saw that have been causing trouble are um, bowing to him. So um, amongst his royal guard, uh, one of the faces that I recognized was uh, Shu Hao, who we've seen so many times yeah. on the podcast. Um, Pretty notably, um, more of a, like a kind of late 70s, early 80s era Shaw Brothers uh, player. But it's really great to see him in this uh, really strong kind of heavy role here. Yeah, in, in his heyday, known for being this very handsome kind of leading mm. man. And he's given a really kind of vicious scar here, uh, like a lot of folks in, in Iron Monkey. So. Yep. He takes out that kind of advisor to the, the governor. And that's kind of like your first... Uh, yeah. notification that these guys ain't playing around and um, they they think he's they're they're like he's not gonna fool us you know we already got fooled once but the uh, the inspector here is played by Yen Shi Quan who also the iron shirt iron robe in Once Upon yeah. a Time in China and uh, yeah he's yeah. amazing so Dude, it's, he's just it's the fun- man he's so great yeah when I first saw him I almost thought he was um, Li Hui Song uh, he's got oh, the same sure. yeah, yeah he, he he doesn't have a similar a, kind of vibe yeah a list of films like uh lei hoi song i also get like these kind of johnny wang long way vibes from him where he's yeah. one of these actors that you can really call on to really execute at a high level as a villain and there's a really actually a good uh interview with him it's one of the supplemental interviews from Once Upon a Time in China. It'll be on the Criterion release. But there's a nice interview with him. It's about 10 minutes about him talking about his career and the strengths and weaknesses of all of this stuff. And he has a little anecdote about his time on, on this film that we'll get into as we talk about the action. But um, he makes a point to say, like, in order to play a really good villain, you kind of have to have a chemistry with... The lead, and um, that's a really important thing. So it's it's pretty cool to yeah, uh, to have that. Yeah, it's it's something that I, you can see it on the Criterion Channel, or if you have the Blu-ray set, um, you can see it. But it's not really available anywhere else. But yeah, we've we've talked about fight chemistry on on the show before, and it is very yeah. true. Or like like you can tell, especially whenever we have Yun Clan stuff, uh, where it's like these guys have been fighting and, and practicing with each other in the backyard forever. Lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it, 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 you can read it on screen and yeah, and he's, uh, he's electric and in, in all the fight scenes. Um, yeah, but totally. I love that. He's just, he's like, he's just yucking it up in all of his oh, scenes. So he's, he he is like, I'm, I'm the, the man in charge to the throne. Yeah. And he's just like lounging on it with his leg kicked up, and mm-hmm. um, it's that's it feels I, very Miracle Fighters actually. It oh, me a lot oh, of, great, uh, great point. And I, I feel like we've said this characters be- in that. before on um, just during this arc, but like so many of these great camera angles and frames just like really take me back to kind of classic era Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I remember 
um, a job I was working at before the original Avengers film came out. And one of my coworkers was just talking to me, asking about like, oh, who do you like? who would be your like dream director for making the Avengers movie? And oh, man. <laughs> I said, uh, Oh, Yun Wu Ping. Absolutely. And it, was, <laughs> it was cool. It like led to a, led to us being like closer friends. Cause then he was like, man, what? <laughs> and got into this cool conversation, but I still like you watch some of these scenes and it's like, Oh my God, that's such a great like comic book panel, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And like you said, these are basically superheroes and, and supervillains in a lot of ways. So. Totally. It is something that when, if you were to say something, somebody would be like surprised. But the more you think about it, the more that you would understand that there isn't really many other directors that would be equipped in a way that Yung Wu Ping would to showcase power and showcase kind of spectacle um, just regularly. And, and like, also, that's you know, just it's like, like oh, his they'd, default. they'd come under a budget, like they'd get yeah. good shots. You know, <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. I always think about come how way under budget. Actually, we have one hundred and fifty million dollars left. I was going to say, I wonder if literally every single one of Yung Wu Ping's directed movies combined is oh, less than man. the budget of yeah. one of the Avengers movies. It oh, possibly probably. is. Oh Dude, for man, sure. I bet it's so. <laughs> the um that first Aquaman film, um I remember I forget what interview it was where Yung Wu Ping was talking to somebody, but he said that. They had actually approached him about working on it, but he just wasn't. He was doing the Master Z, the Ip Man spinoff. Yeah, film. yeah. But um, you can imagine what what something like that would be. I mean, and we got stuff like you know the the Matrix is in a lot of ways a superhero film, and and you get to see like what he would do with something like that. But yeah, really, totally. I mean, you still want you want him to do stuff like this. You know, you you want <laughs> yeah. the kind of the fluff of what we know from superhero movies but with like the kind of hard pureness of something that a young ping would do like I-, I still dream about it it would be cool mm-hmm. but what's also cool is <laughs> reuniting sons and f- uh, fathers yeah, so, yeah nice well done um, dude that was that was the best beautiful. segue of the year oh, oh i mean God. it will ah. be the best segue of this long long year. yeah <laughs> oh man starting it's all downhill from here um, <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Fei Hung and Keying get to reunite, and it's it's very cute. Whenever they're both eating, and they're eating exactly the same way as yeah. each other, and there's a little dance, the the ideological kind of competition here, because they're both mm-hmm. men of medicine, Wang Keying and Doctor Yang, and one saying, "Oh, he shouldn't eat because he 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 has a weak stomach after his recovery," and Doctor Yang's like, "Well, no, you don't need to. With my medicine, you don't need to." like uh, go easy and he's like well yeah. i don't know so it's like this little fun back and forth mm-hmm. but also you kind of have the also the sense of you know it's iron monkey versus the person hunting the iron monkey yet yeah. which is kind of fun um but yeah that's a cute little scene but then it moves us forward to our governor who's now kind of basically being cast out and uh, yeah. that's a funny little beat but it leads us to our next iron monkey sequence where um, he's doing his Robin Hood thing, and there's a woman that's basically praying for her lost husband, but it's actually a trap. And we have Li Fai and Xu Hao uh, waiting for the Iron Monkey to show up, and then we get another beautiful nighttime fight sequence. Uh, yeah, it's so, so cool. Good. There's a weird thing about her being a virgin that's a little weird, and they play it up a lot in the Miramax uh, subtitles, which is a little strange. Oh, really? But... 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just like you you call yourself a virgin, why are you should you be wearing white or something like that? It's very odd. Yeah. Um, That's actually a weird kind of miss because white wouldn't be received that way and you know No, and, and it wouldn't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more it's of a funeral. funeral. And and actually the yeah. ruse behind this scene is that she's performing funeral rites. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is the supposedly dead body like leans up and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, we get this great mix of uh one-on-ones and two-on-one fights and mm-hmm. Oh, but there's this really like amazing couple seconds like a tracking shot of her attacking Iron Monkey with a oh, sword God, so and she does these all that sp- yeah. short hops and everything and it, it's yeah, really cool. The other thing that I haven't mentioned that we've seen a couple of times and we'll see a couple times more as the film goes on is that there's some really inventive use of dummies in the fight choreography so like when iron monkey first shows up he's like doing like these flips in the middle of a crowd and you'll see that the first flip is him but then the second flip is like a dummy (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it works really well and uh you get these some moments between the wire work where you you can see that oh that's actually not a person that they tossed into the frame it's actually a dummy but i i think it really works um yeah and great yeah. stuff here. And then uh, when uh, Yun Shi Quan's character jumps into the fray, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we just really feel kind of the threat escalating. Mm-hmm. And he uses a, we get a little bit of some <laughs> more kind of classic Kung Fu flavor because yeah. we have kind of a magical palm technique. Um, oh, yeah, we get to talk about in, that now. Yeah. yeah, and in the in the Eureka release, it calls it the Shaolin King Kong palm, yep. <laughs> yeah. which is really funny. It's beautiful. And, and the Miramax is just called the Shaolin Palm or Buddha's Palm. Or something I think like that. Buddha's Palm is something that I remembered. Mm-hmm. I was when I was watching this Eureka rip, I was surprised that it said Shaolin King Kong Palm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and another another great line is Iron Monkey saying, "Huh, it's nothing special." Yes. And he says, "Try my nothing special technique." Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> super good. That's like some straight up Spider Man stuff mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this, uh, Buddha's palm or, uh, the Shaolin King Kong palm, it's a really scary technique actually. It's like a poison palm, like Kung Fu cult master. So Mm -hmm. he's, he's been struck with it. And then, um, as this sequence escalates, we also see that Wong Ki Ying is involved and he also, uh, kind of senses this dangerous technique here. He also has a line to him like, Oh, you're, you're the disgraced like Shaolin that, like burn the temple so um yeah yenshi kwan's character is like well i had to do it to survive basically and um in the interview that i was mentioning before he is talking about how most of his injuries that he's uh, received in doing these films has been because of wire work and he actually mentions the sequence here where they're running across the rooftop there was a a bit where the the wire rig malfunctioned and it yanked him like 40 feet back and he actually had to reflexively like move himself towards like a pillar or else he would have slammed into the wall and got gravely injured so really crazy to think about that and we we've seen like some behind the scenes footage of wire work being handled and most of the time we're seeing it like a person pulling you know but um yeah team of people pulling it interesting to think about how there was some type of automation involved and that's kind of crazy because you're you're putting a lot of faith in in this stuff, and you're mm-hmm. you're also you're straight up on a rooftop. It's not a fake 
roof, you can see the the geography of this set that they were actually up on yeah. top of that roof. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. And then um speaking of up on top of the roof, I love how uh Dr. Young like drops through like a like skylight window and uh his apartment like back down to that level with Miss Orchid whenever that happens. Um you feel yeah, it feels just very Batman y, very mm-hmm. super heroic. Yeah, now that the now that he has a little bit of some safe harbor, he is really struggling from the King Kong palm or Buddha palm. <laughs> And mm-hmm. so he's kind of dictating basically um, like the regimen that is going to help him um, to Miss Orchid. And he's kind of getting it out and, and she's writing it down, but mm. he's really not doing well. And then he basically passes out. Yeah. Um, and he gets to show off his insane back muscles. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. He, it's like they like, he, she puts in needles to, I guess, let the, the cursed blood bleed out and they actually they the the editing's a little it's i think all of the footage is still there but it's edited a little differently in the mirror max it's like mm. inter- yeah, cut yeah. with with other stuff which maybe it's just they wanted less less blood all at once or something i don't know mm. um because not long after uh wonky ying flies in and he's also hurt because of the because of the buddha palm yeah, and I love how this plays out because you're like, uh oh, yeah. this is the moment where they mm-hmm. find like out this, this could be a huge turning point for these characters. But actually, I mean, Wong Ki Ying's relationship with Wong Fei Hung kind of dictates his reaction. And I, I like how they handle it here. He's he he kind of turns it around and makes it like, Oh, you silly kid, I'm just checking to make sure he's all right. And uh that's really, really yeah. cool. And actually a really smart way to kind of move past a point of tension you still get all of the tension of finding out but then you're moving past it in a really smart way that i enjoyed right but yeah so it's like now we're kind of our central group are 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 kind of properly unmasked and um again i think uh, speaks to speaks to the writing like how all these layers kind of work with each other i think if it had just been kind of any old villain I think it might be a little bit more difficult to buy that uh, Wong Ki Ying can kind of do the quote unquote right thing here. But we see that Yen Shi Quan's character is so kind of morally corrupt um, in his eyes, you know, as having betrayed kind of like the Shaolin order um, that there's a little bit of like enemy of my enemy thing. I think mm. that's maybe kind of helping him to cross that final little mile or whatever. Yeah, and he he also geeks out over his his technique for curing. Yeah, poison, oh, that's great. Which is really fun, where he's like, "Oh, this is brilliant." And yeah, his you, eyes get yeah. wide using poison to defeat a poison. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but you also get a little bit more growth too, and similar to like what you were saying, Marty, about the kind of different shades of these characters. You see that Chief Fox and his crew are on the hunt for. Uh, Iron Monkey and Wong Ki Ying and uh, you get this sense that he he maybe he has always known uh, you know that extra layer where he's talking to Miss Orchid that um, they need to escape or else they're gonna get in big trouble and he's like right. I you know I, I he kind of winks you know like I, I know I know what you're talking about so that's mm. that's pretty cool I like that a lot too it's cool yeah yeah and uh, yeah, this is really basically setting the stage for the finale here. Yeah, because they uh, 
Wang Qing says that he needs to, that Wang Feiling needs to go back to Foshan by himself. And he says, a man should shed blood, not tears. <laughs> um, but I do love that he's like, he, he criticizes Wang Feihung for, for crying. And then he starts crying, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, which, which is cool. We get to see he kind of grows and becomes more like tender to his, his son and less, less harsh over the course of the movie. And we get one of my favorite sequences where um, Miss Orchid here is accosted yeah. by these Shaolin Dude, monks. So just classic. Yeah. Yeah. I love how her outfit really accents the motion here. We've talked about this before, how the costuming can really help sell the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got like these white cuffs, it looks like, on, you know, on her calves. And every mm-hmm. kick looks extra special because of it. Um, but she's got a lot of this kind of spinning through the air and mm-hmm. she's using the environment also where there's like a like the the cart that she used to deliver medicine is on wheels so she'll use that in the middle of the choreography too and um there's a moment where she uses like one of the actually i i think it's mandy chan the the shaolin monk um yeah. she uses his knife against him and actually she slits his throat that's one of the things I believe is edited in the the Miramax cut because yeah, there's right. That's a piece some of moments of violence that are that are cut in. Uh... Yeah. But yeah, it's, and, it's funny and... to me how the the Shaolin like these kind of Shaolin goons uh, as of this point of the film they start to dwindle one by one. <laughs> That's the first yeah. victim, and then uh, a little later than this, you'll see the other ones get killed. Oh, that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, I feel like this sequence is often pointed to as kind of like the high point of of wire work of of the '90s in Hong Kong, and I think dif- difficult to argue with, especially that scene where she's doing those like repeated jumps as the camera is like slightly panning around her, and it's just the coordination of the wire team, the on screen performers, and the camera operation is j- <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I think for audiences kind of coming to this movie, like whenever they come to it and and kind of trying to place trying to place it accurately in 1993, it's still I think it's still hard to kind of fathom um, how this was ever done. Yeah, and you get that uh, crazy wire work juxtaposed with some amazing pole work following this because yeah. Wang Fei Hung shows up and she oh he handles them super well. Um, oh, so great. Yeah, you've got this sequence earlier in the film where um, uh, Yang is training Wang Feihong with the pole, and uh, you have this uh, device where Wang Feihong is reciting the moves as he's doing them, and you see that... Very Yun Ping thing. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. It's actually executed throughout this fight sequence, and... Uh, yeah, every every movement super great. Some awesome Dutch angles with the pole arm in the foreground, which is like just yeah, yeah, like not just like a comic book, but also like an anime too. Like you get a like a hero, oh with totally, a, uh, you know, a big sword pose. That's really yeah, cool. and it and it's it's like the pole is like really long in some shots, so it like really pops out in the camera and the the whenever whenever she hops into the air and kicks the kicks the pole back at them mm-hmm. that's like a lot of these oh, shots like man. you know that they did they did like dozens of takes for lots of it but i imagine that one was really tough to get yeah. that kick to look just right uh, but yeah it's 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 incredible yeah yeah in the end though the the sequence lands on a bit where Wang Fei Hung gets captured uh Li Fei's old witch character 
gets one up on Wong Fei Hung, and uh, that's the end of that sequence. Mm-hmm. That sets us up for the finale, because mm-hmm. yeah. um, now now they need to go and save Wong Fei Hung. Um, we get uh, Chief Fox is like kind of finally is like you know we we can't just we can't just kill this child, yeah. um, and and so they he, the the monk kind of sicks the his guards on him. And he does just casually cut a guy's head off, which kind of rules. Yeah, I was reminded <laughs> um, of uh, you calling out that sliced arm. Yeah, the, the hand fighters. that gets sliced off. Yeah, yeah it's that's what I thought cool. of. It's an escalation of that. That's when we get two iron monkeys coming in because Donnie Yen is yeah. now in the in the garb coming in. Which is awesome. It's so good. Uh, and <laughs> speaking of, this is this is where it does get full like anime in, in a <laughs> lot of sequences because the, the monk has like doll sim arms <laughs> where yeah. he like he shoots yeah. out these long sleeves and, and it kind of made me think of of uh luffy and one piece as oh, well sure. yep. the whole like extending arms thing and yeah it's it's just this is such a cool uh like escalation of everything where you know people are basically just using superpowers now yeah yeah and we can really feel that it's like okay like where we are in the movie it's like okay we're gearing towards the finale and you know, watching this for the first time, you're asking yourself, it's like, okay, how can we outdo everything we've seen thus far? And I mean, Iron Monkey does not disappoint. I mean, this is a incredibly audacious finale and you can't believe what they actually uh, executed on, mm-hmm. on camera here. But the, the key word is, is fire for sure. Yeah. <laughs> my, I will say one, before the fire, one of my favorite practical effects is, Iron Monkey throws the the metal balls at the witch character, and yeah. one of them goes clean through. Or actually, no, it's Orchid. I think throws the yeah. Balls. She's fighting yeah, the the witch. And she's fighting the witch, and the ball goes clean through the sword and into her eye. And there's this amazing shot where it like the camera so lines good. up with the, the the sword and her eye. And it's my like a ball sticking out of it. It's so good. Yeah, it's my favorite yeah. death in the whole film. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's super good. Um, that that long sleeve though, the flying sleeve is so fun, and you have a moment <laughs> here where um, Iron Monkey has like a a chain sword that he's been using on and off, and you get the they entangle with the the sleeve that looks really cool, and uh, you get also um, what I was saying earlier, just the power and the speed is represented so well because you see this kind of sleeve will just fly out but also you'll see that the tiles that it connects with or any like kind of structure are just completely destroyed by yeah. what you would think is just kind of a piece of cloth so um it's just yeah re- really smart way to not only sell a distinct action but also kind of give you the weight of what's happening at the same time Dude, totally. Well, I what's so cool by the time we're in this in the middle of the finale here is my sense is the project kind of came about because Choi Hark wanted to see like a classic Yoon Woo Ping film like from when he was younger, but like, you know, kind of spare no expense, roll out the red carpet for him. And um, we definitely get that in Iron Monkey, but we also get an assimilation of everything that Yoon Woo Ping and his family have kind of invented um, since then. So we think about some of the crazy c- fabric stuff in Dreadnought or some of the crazy fantastical magic in Miracle Fighters or whatever. And um, 
a lot of that is kind of on display here in Iron Monkey, but arguably a bit more polished and a bit more maybe kind of integrated into the like grounded action. So it's just, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> just <laughs> embarrassment of riches. Yeah. The, the crowning piece of this all is them getting into this courtyard where there's like fabric laid out and you've got these um, high poles. And as the fight gets crazier, you see that there's a fire that breaks out. Wong Fei Hung tosses a bottle of, of sake or, or of wine and then it gets smashed up but there's also a lantern on the ground so they need to take to the sky to finish this fight and it's uh Wong Ying and Iron Monkey kind of tag team against this uh traitor of Shaolin and it's also like kind of like uh I don't know American gladiators <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh that's great <laughs> or something there's a really fun shot where it's um Hun Hing the the Shaolin monk hopping up but it's a reverse shot and the re- yeah. the flames are reversed obviously <laughs> but there's yeah, something yeah. kind of fun about seeing that that's I like cool. it still yeah yeah it is it is very uh, very video gamey in that it's like you're fighting a boss and the parts of the boss arena like as you go through the phases start falling away from you and stuff it's it's so cool and fire is everywhere and uh people catch on fire and then do cool kung fu to put out the fire (laughs) also but it's a thing where it's like this is a film that's full of wire work where now the complete focus is on this wire work that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, yeah. there's these moments where there's kind of footwork between two opponents and there's these moments where somebody's falling. And um, I really enjoy how uh, Iron Monkey and Wong Keying kind of support each other with like their yeah. attacks. So like if like one is falling down, the other one will strike them upwards to kind of recover and then you've got these moments where they're falling lower and then kind of having to do a cartwheel or a flip back up. It just adds ah, really cool. It's it's this thing where you could be like, oh man, I just want them to be fighting on the ground to have some cool like punches and kicks, but honestly you're not gonna see anything like this. I, I think it was in Wing Chun, where we did see something where she's fighting, or either it was Donnie Yen or or Wing Chun, where they were fighting one Donnie of the opponents. The yeah, yeah, there was that, which kind of gets similar vibes, but it's not executed to the level that you see right here. And it's just really cool to see them bring these ideas back and refine them to a higher level for a sequence like this. And we're also using the environment. Like, the environment isn't just a threat. It eventually becomes... Uh, potential weaponry and so like mm. we use the posts as weapons and the fire itself is our you know it's a projectile we can kick and i love those shots uh as the fire is kind of escalating where you can see like yin chi kwan is like trying to knock down all the posts mm. and he's standing really close to the flames there i mean yeah i, I don't yeah i don't know i think also what makes this such a effective finale sequence is offset or it's like this counter the fire is like this counterweight to the to the wire work because i could imagine in general it's like once you learn like oh there are wires going on so does that mean it's fake does that mean these people can't actually oh yeah do do the choreography you know which is like a very common kind of question and i think the majority of iron monkey balances that really well because you have this great grounded stuff you have just Mm -hmm. incredible physical performance that's very undeniable and so i think it you feel like you're in very good hands here um and I like what you're saying, Carlos, like the finale should be probably an escalation 
of the wire work. It's like that is something we're really celebrating in this film. And then the fact that you have this true physical threat that you can't fake. I mean, this is all real practical fire. Mm-hmm. It's the way that that is weighed against the the wire work. I, I don't know. I mean, you're just, you're biting your teeth watching this stuff. And I mean, the other thing, uh, like, you know, you were talking about a few minutes ago, Matthew, just the amount of takes and the commitment um, to kind of get these shots that's one of the huge risks of working with fire in a Hong Kong Kung Fu film. It's it's like, it's going to really limit the amount of takes that we can do. Or it's like this, uh, someone mentioned it on a commentary once. I don't know how long, but I mean, just the length of days it took to accomplish this finale is something, something outrageous. Mm. But Mm. so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing like that, uh, that real, just like palpable threat. And, uh, it's like, yes, there is something comic booky about it. There's something anime-ish about it. But the fact that that's all, that it's even possible to <laughs> execute that with mm. people and a camera is is just kind of, uh, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And we get another dummy here. The, the kind yeah, of yeah. final blow is them striking uh, Yin Shi Quan in the head with mm-hmm. one of these. And you see that it's pretty much a dummy. And then that dummy yeah. casts into the flames. That's cut out of the Miramax, the dummy getting hit I, in the head. Yeah, I'd imagine. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, because it, it, looks, it looks pretty rough. But, yeah, then he kicks in the, in the fire. Um, and one, the one last thing about that that gets uh, changed in the Miramax is that um, after they all get, they all land and, like, they're reunited with their, their loved ones. And then poor Chief Fox is sitting there <laughs> and thinks, why does no oh, one care about me? I wrote yeah. that down. Yeah, is, he, the, the, he says that all sad. But they they cut because it's just him thinking that, so it's just silent. In yeah, the Miramax. <laughs> yeah, because I think they don't use any kind of voiceover stuff, in, mm-hmm. uh, or like voice of With your thoughts, character thing thinking. Yeah, Miramax. yeah. Um, one of but the I mean, other... that's just such a great like Yun Clan kind of <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, beat. yeah, totally. One of the other things that I did notice when I watched the the Miramax version was that. There are moments when um, the main characters are calling out their moves that those those are like omitted completely during the fight yeah. choreography. Mm-hmm. Like there's um, the shadowless kick versus the um, King Kong palm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's that moment yeah. where uh, Wong Ying and Iron Monkey are both like doing their like signature kicks towards him, and he defends them both with his palm. In the Miramax version, they they don't mm-hmm. say those moves, which. Yeah. As a fighting game player, I'm offended, but I'll <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and then there's an int- yeah, we get an actual little epilogue scene. Yeah, we get one final scene where like all of our all of our characters are kind of seeing off the the Wongs who are going to the train, um, and it's very sweet because at the very beginning of the movie, uh, Wong King was kind of like, you know, you're too old for me to have to hold your hand or whatever, and then they hold hands to go to the train. It's yeah. Very sweet. That's a great one. And this little, this like children's touch. choir is singing on the general order. Yeah, they is, have lyrics yeah. for it. <laughs> which lyrics. is cute. They've got got lyrics for it, and yeah, here's where the uh, Miramax version yeah. has uh, a couple of text cards, like explaining like <laughs> yeah. what happened. And uh, I'm into it. I think it's it, it could have been 
it could have been done much worse. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, it's true. fine. Poochie died on the way home to <laughs> yeah. his planet. And it's like, <laughs> it's kind of one of the only mechanisms to try to get the audience to understand like the mm. significance of Wong Fei Hung. Cause yeah, you yeah. can't really like add dialogue or something in the, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I think it's <laughs> that boy is going to become the most important folk <laughs> yeah. hero. And, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's iron monkey. That's iron um, monkey, man. This I'm, I'm really glad that we got to, uh, we got to do this in the podcast finally because this is one that I had been wanting to watch even before. Oh, nice! Uh, before we started oh, the show, because awesome. I had seen I had seen Donnie in and some stuff, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" And this was a lot of people were saying this is the this is the movie with Donnie in to to see. Mm-hmm. And oh, right. yeah, when when this movie comes up and you know online or wherever, people still light up about it. And I yeah, let's like Marty said, it is in a big way thanks to that Miramax release of it because oh, yeah. um you know it was post. Crouching Tiger, everybody was dying, you know, in a similar way we've talked about, like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan, these explosions, you know, everybody was ready for something else flying through the air. And Mm -hmm. Iron Monkey was that for us in the West, at least at the time. And I think it's, it's it's an interesting example of you know, bringing this film to, to another audience, like the promo material would emphasize like from the choreographer of Crouching Tiger and the Matrix, you know, Quentin Tarantino presents. And I mean, pulling out all the stops because Donnie wasn't really an established name. Like none of the cast really was for, for a Western audience. Um, but I think they pressed just the right buttons, I think, to get, uh, to get folks that would be curious to, to come out and, and see the movie and yeah, I'm so thankful that it has the reputation it does now. Um, and that we seem to continue to get kind of nicer and nicer, uh, versions of the film. And, uh, hopefully that bodes well for, uh, other great films of the period. Oh yeah. Um, Speaking of, yeah, yeah, just within the last week, Eureka teased a new release of, uh, Miracle Miracle Fighters. It's Ooh. so nuts, y'all. Like it, it feels like someone is like listening in on. Us. I mean, hopefully that's true, right? Like all that, we can do true. is is put this out there, and we don't have any like inside connections. No, but um, you know, if you're this... an inside connection and you want to be featured on the podcast, use yeah. an email here is another three podcasts at gmail dot com. Yeah, now we can know. just whisper Buddhist fist, Buddhist, Buddhist fist. fist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a movie that's probably in some of the roughest shape that Ugh. can be. Oh, man. Born Invincible, Born Invincible, Born. born oh yeah. man, Born, born Invincible would be so good. <laughs> that movie looks rough. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we only have the four by three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Iron Monkey. I'm I'm big fan. I'm glad we got to do this, and I'm glad we got to do this whole uh, Yun Wu Ping. I guess kind of revisit because this is kind of revisiting our very first arc which i i don't think was necessarily Dude, intentionally yeah. a Ping arc but it kind of was so <laughs> yeah yeah um, it definitely was the majority of it our uh we're planning on taking a break for a little bit and we got some really cool stuff planned for the future but first let's uh let's get some plugs out of the way thank you for checking out the show genuinely you've been listening to us for for however long if this is your first episode that's amazing i love it and i'm glad you're listening to the end um, and if you've been listening for years that's great um, we love doing this show so much and we really are grateful that we have people that actually listen to us um, yeah, here here 
you can find us on the social medias, the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky, Threads. We are at Here's the Number 3 Podcast on all of them. You can shoot us an email, here's the number 3 podcast at gmail.com, and you can leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on. Um, and you can do questions on Spotify. The Swim Fan folks have been mentioning that, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. If you have a weird question for us, sure, go for it on Spotify. Oh, I'd love that. That'd be fun. Um, and actually, yeah, we should mention through the course of this arc, we've had a giveaway going on. And yeah. after this episode releases, I think I'm going to wait just for a little bit. And then mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and roll the dice. And one of you lucky listeners will be receiving the In the Line of Duty Blu-ray set. So congratulations Dude, to you. One. Yeah, whoever you are. So, like I said, we're going to be taking a break, so who knows what the next episode is going to be. I certainly don't. (laughs) Um, uh, But until then, I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.